It's very possible that everybody will be angry with me after this homily. I want you to know that that is not my goal, but I recognize the possibility. Uh, Let me explain why. And I think it's worth it, by the way. I think it's worth it driving you all away to make my point. All right. A few months ago, I I don't even remember what the homily was, but I used uh, President Trump as an example. And I got a bit of hate mail. How could you say something positive about that man, you know? And then I I got another group of people saying, thank you for saying something positive about him. Well, so I went back and listened to it because internally I thought, I didn't say anything positive about him. I just used him as an example. So I went back and listened to it because I was thinking, well, I I better edit that out, you know. I better cut it from the the podcast or I'm going to get shut down. So... uh, so I went back and listened to it, and I was like, oh, no, no, I, I used him as an example. What's fascinating, and this is just, it's a, I think it's a, it's a really interesting element of our culture, is that all of us subjectively receive the same message and interpret it and give meaning to it differently, and especially like in the political realm, right, where we have this heightened um, this heightened sort of anxiety and uh, people tend to, to go into their particular tribe. Now, if you're interested, you can go back and I don't even know which one it was, but if you can go back and listen to it, you'll find, and a, a few people did. They said, you know, at first I was mad because he said something positive. Then I listened again and I realized he didn't actually, not that I said anything negative, I just used an example. We have a crisis of epistemology in our culture. And I'm gonna use that word because I don't like to cheat you of the big words. Some, <laughs> some people say, oh, he's just doing that to show off. No, I mean, these are just the words I use, but you're not stupid people. There's no reason you can't understand difficult words. Episteme is the Greek root, and it means knowledge. And we all know what ology means, so if it's, in ology, it's the study of knowledge. Where do we get our truth? Where do we get our knowledge from? And the crisis we have, I think, is we don't really know. There was a, a particular action that our current president took. I'm not going to get into detail because it doesn't really matter. But I mean, it matters, but not for, for this illustration. And I went to one news site, and, and it talked very, you know, it lauded this action and talked about how great it was. And then I went to another website, and it talked about how horrible it was. And so I compared the two, and the one website would only talk about the positive. They wouldn't talk about the negative effects, which, you know, often there are. And then the other website wouldn't talk about the potential benefits, but only the negatives. Now, what's, what's fascinating about the media we have, and, and you're going to continue to hear me comment on this, because the media, all of it, I mean, I realize some of them claim to convey, the, they all claim to convey the truth. 
And if you have, you know, if your subjective position sort of fits, they're catering to you. So if you're watching this one station because it's more conservative, you already agree with it. And they're just going to give you more of what you agree with. It's like giving me more pizza and donuts. <laughs> Do you want more? Of course. <laughs> and, and the same vice versa with the other way. It's really interesting, as an aside, parents, if you, if you haven't watched this on Netflix yet, there's a, uh, uh, there's a movie on there, a documentary called The, uh, the Social Dilemma, and it's fascinating. And what it does is it actually exposes what we, we kind of intuitively know to be true, which is that everything we consume is meant to solidify our perspective. In other words, if, if all we do are go to certain, like with news or with whatever, if we go to certain websites, that's what constantly gets fed to us. And the ads that, if you don't know this, if the ads that pop up on the sides, it's because... They know where we've been. They keep tracking us and they keep filling us. The sides of all of my, uh, all of the advertisements that pop up for me, they're all guitars. They are. They're all the specific guitars I was just looking at and I'm on some other website. Right? I mean, we, a lot of us understand how this happens. But I think we need to get to the point where we realize that it's all entertainment. I really believe this. Now, you may disagree, and that's, it's absolutely fine. But everybody is being shoveled what they already think they want to hear. And we've, we've just seen it with, again, for me, this is just kind of fascinating, but we've, we've just seen it in every election cycle. It gets worse and worse. The whole goal is he's the devil and I'm the savior. And if you vote for me, I'm going to save you. And if you vote for him, the world is going to end, and vice versa. And whoever persuades the most amount of people that they are right usually wins, usually. And so we're constantly locked in this dichotomization, right, this black and white. That guy's evil, that guy's good. And then at the end of four years, people look back and they say, not, you know, not a lot of things happened. Well, he said he was going to do all this stuff, and it didn't happen. And again, you can pick any of them. It's always the same. Because people keep waiting for a politician to be a savior. I was thinking about this in relationship to, uh, you know, even the, the, uh, the issues of, like, Black Lives Matter and, and, and racial issues, which are obviously real issues in our culture. And I keep going back to, why isn't it fixed? You know, like, what policy comes next to fix it? And the reality, I think, the reality is the reason why it's not fixed is because people keep waiting for somebody else to fix it for them. The only way an individual will turn their life around is if they do it. Waiting for a politician to do it is a waste of time. It hasn't worked. It never works. I mean, in ancient Rome, they just kill the guy. <laughs> who's gonna, you know, who's, the, who's Caesar now? Kill him. 
Let's have the Senate take over. All right, see if that works. Military leader invades Rome, takes over, becomes the new Caesar, on and on it goes. And the reason I'm pointing this out, I guess, is because I think so many of us are aligning our faith too much with politics. A lot of us are are seeing ourselves as Republican Catholics or Democrat Catholics. And I think this is a a tremendous error. Number one, there is, I I promise you, I can prove it. I've studied it. I, you know, I, I would hope you would trust me on this. There is no political party that fulfills everything that the church teaches. It doesn't exist. It couldn't. It couldn't possibly. And not just in our country, no country. And, and what happens is this is driving us apart. I mean, it's driving families apart. And I've said this over and over. I really want this church to be a place where the Democrat can talk to the Republican without getting in a fight. That we can actually honestly share different opinions and ideas without demonizing the other person. You might say, well, Father, are you a Republican? I've told you I'm an independent, and I mean it. Which one do you like? None of them. (laughs) Well, I think you like Trump more. I'm telling you, I don't like any of them because they're politicians. No offense to any politician who's here. It started back in high school when the guy running for for student body president started saying, yeah, if you elect me, I'm going to make sure we can eat as much candy as we want. You can chew gum and class and you can do any one. He won. He promised all this nonsense and he won. I feel like it hasn't really changed. Same policy or the same modus operandi. We think right now, and we've been thinking this, that this great, the great battle of our time is between each other between black people and white people. Some people believe that. Between, you know, Republicans and, and Democrats, between those who are white supremacists or, you know, whatever. And we've been force-fed all of these ideas to keep us in the secular arena as though the secular problems are the biggest issues of our time. My perspective, of course, is that of a priest. My perspective is that of somebody who believes that our time here is short. Even if you're thinking, Father, I'm like 80. How short is it? It's short in view of eternity. So who do we listen to? Well, in this gospel today, Jesus goes and does, you know, what a rabbi does, which is on the Sabbath, he goes to the synagogue and he teaches. And when he taught, people spoke of him differently than the other teachers. And he said he, he teaches like he has authority. So when I teach, I don't teach my own authority. I mean, there's, there's going to be those elements that, as I just kind of finished up, are my opinions. And then there's going to be the elements of, of sort of the gospel teaches or the church teaches. 
And it's not really mine, it's handed on. And so all of the other rabbis would have been the same back then. They're teaching what had been handed on. When Jesus taught, he taught like the guy who wrote it. I mean, there wasn't a Bible yet, but you know, he's, he taught as though he was the one who authored it all, because in fact, he is. And so when he talked about forgiving sin, he didn't just talk about it sort of a little bit more in the abstract about forgiving each other's sin and, and, and seeking forgiveness from God. He talked about it as though the sin had actually offended him because, of course, he's God, and it did. He spoke as one who, when he taught, was actually conveying divine truth and revelation because, in fact, he was. It's, it was a completely different experience. And then fascinating, uh, we hear about these evil spirits, and we hear about this frequently in the Gospels, the evil spirits and their relationship to Jesus Christ, how they're either trying to speak out as to who he is or how afraid they are of him, etc. over and over and over, Jesus and these evil spirits. And of course, he drives them out because he has the authority to do so. The great battle of our time is the same battle that's always been fought. The great battle of our time is between good and evil. It's not between Democrats and Republicans. As much as we might think the other side is evil, they're really not. They're not evil like Satan is evil. They're really not. But the reality is Satan is real. Jesus believed it. Jesus acted like it. And the reality is that evil spirits are real. Jesus said it, and Jesus acted like it. And even though we have this crisis of knowledge, who do we believe? If there's one person we need to believe, it's Jesus Christ. We have to get back to our basics. We have to, as Catholics, we have to say, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian first, and everything else gets filtered through what I believe. Through my, through my faith. doesn't matter what group I belong to. The first group I belong to is what I profess to be true, which is Jesus Christ and his church. And evil is abounding. One of the, uh, one of the things about Satan is that uh, Satan always tries to misdirect or uh, to to move us in a different place, to, you know, to deceive us. He never wants to expose himself completely because if, if people actually had an experience of evil like that, it would, you know, the church would be packed. So instead, you know, Satan redirects. Well, this guy's evil, or that person's evil, or this policy's evil, or that, you know, he keeps us focused on purely human endeavor. Not that the human endeavors don't matter. Not that racism isn't a reality and, and something that needs to be dealt with. Not, of course, poverty, etc. All of these things are real issues that we need to look at and deal with. 
But the greatest evil is not that someone's poor. A lot of people will compare poverty with like the abortion issue. It's a greater good to be alive and poor than dead and never existed or never existed outside the womb. And we get sidetracked and Satan deceives. You might say, right now you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, 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 Biden is Satan. No. Trump is Satan. No. That, I think, actually comes from the evil one. He wants us to elevate mere human beings to this mythical category. The reality is that Satan is active in every single one of our lives. It's just happening all the time. And we cannot be sidetracked with, with a lot of this other nonsense that really just drives us against each other, husband against wife and you know, parents against children and all the rest. Well, Father, those issues matter. They do matter, but they don't matter as much as salvation. They don't matter as much as what Satan is actually trying to do. Divide, oppress, lull people to sleep, get them to become lackadaisical about loving the Lord Jesus. That is more important. So I don't know if you're all mad and ready to leave. But again, I think it's my job to get us to focus on Jesus Christ and to wade through some of the the nonsense that's out there and some of the good stuff. But still, nonetheless, everything we do, whatever we aim at, whatever we seek to fix in the world, whatever we seek to fix in our family, whatever we seek to fix in our church, it must be through the lens of a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And then whatever we do is going to be rightly ordered. It's going to come to its full fruition or its proper fruition. It won't be just idealized in a secular way, but it will be redeemed. And that's what we participate in. That's our job. As we have been redeemed, so we seek to bring redemption to those around us. Please stand.